Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jonathan Harvey, and I am your host today and every day on the Modern Conservative Podcast. Um, I want to say, um, give a shout out to Jason Preston. Um, I hope you're doing well in your uh, upcoming battle for election. And uh, Alina Erickson, I also want to give you a shout out as well. Um, these guys are some really good friends of mine. And if you get a chance, check them out on Facebook. Um, they're great conservatives, know the Constitution well, just like my next guest. His name is Jake Oates, and uh, he's a really good friend of mine. And he is all about the Constitution and liberty here in Utah and across our great nation. Um, Jake, um, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Jake, tell us a little bit about Jake and your organization here in Utah and what are you guys are about. For yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm the, the director of an organization called Liberty United. Uh, what we focus on is teaching the principles from the Constitution, but more importantly, the application of that for families. And, uh, you know, we, we do that in connection with some fun events. So we'll we'll put on large events, uh, both indoors, outdoors. We've put on kind of a big fun festival outside with bounce houses and, and things like that. So we just try to make it um, palatable and, and fun for everybody. Uh, but most importantly, the goal is to empower these families with those principles and, and know how they apply. Mm hmm. That's all great stuff. You know, I've been to a few of your events and uh, let me tell you guys, he puts on a fantastic event. It's quality, it's family, it's fun. And you actually learn something at these events other than something that we already know our president is an idiot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go Brandon. <laughs> let's go Brandon. But he does educate you on the constitution. Now, like myself, most of you know, I'm a big fan of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. For me, especially the gun, the Second Amendment. You know, I had a Jake, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. And um, they said to me, I said, So tell me, what do you know about the Constitution? He says, Well, I know it gives us the right to own firearms. And I said to him, Well, that's not necessarily how it goes in the Constitution. The Constitution says your rights to own a firearm will not be infringed upon, which means it's a protected right, which means there's no explanation to it. It means it is protected by, given to us by God and protected under the Constitution. So, Jake, tell me, what's your thoughts on the Second Amendment, First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment? And I know you know them well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I think that... Um, the first 10 amendments are, are crucial. Uh, they are, as we say, amendments. They amended the original constitution. So the, the articles are the, are actually the constitution and the amendments amended those. And it was really crucial. You know, we hear oftentimes some, some kind of familiar terms. Uh, and, um, I really like to, help people get a, a deeper understanding of, of federalism versus anti-federalism. And it's kind of funny because I, I kind of hear uh, like we're, we're trying to choose a, a, a camp, but both were absolutely crucial. The federalists were 
all about eliminating the, uh, you know, the Articles of Confederation, which just it wasn't working. We needed mm-hmm. we needed something better. We needed the Constitution, and we we can thank the Federalists for that. But if it were not for the Anti-Federalists, we wouldn't have the amendments. And the first ten amendments, actually, before they were called the Bill of Rights, they were called further declaratory and restrictive clauses to the Constitution. And so I, I really think that actually better uh, puts into perspective what they are. They're they're uh, restricting government even more and mm-hmm. enabling the people more. Mm-hmm. Now, go ahead. You know, I it, you asked me about the First Amendment, and uh, it's funny because it, it, oftentimes you hear people throw around the phrase separation of church and state. Right. <laughs> I say, <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll give a hundred bucks to anybody that finds that statement in the Constitution. <laughs> And actually, you know, the the phrase comes from a letter from Thomas Jefferson to uh, to a Baptist preacher that was kind of writing about some concerns he had about there not being enough regulation on the government to protect religious freedom. Uh, and and he was saying that there needs to be a wall. Thomas Jefferson said there's need for a separation, a, a wall between religion and, and government. So the, the notion was actually saying, we, we, yeah, I agree, you know, we should create an even better barrier from the government, protect us from the government. But it's it, not only is it not in the Constitution, but it's been totally misconstrued to say quite the opposite, that we should regulate religion more. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have taken the Constitution and kind of twisted it to their interpretation. Sometimes that's half the problem in this country when it comes to people trying to spout the, comp- the, the uh, Constitution or the Bill of Rights to their self-indulgence when it comes to what they want to get done and what they want to believe. Now, for example, the Supreme Court. One of the jobs of the Supreme Court is to enforce laws of the Constitution. Yeah. Even they get it wrong, far as I'm concerned sometimes, you know, um, because people at the end of the day forget, you know, the people, members of the Supreme Court, those nine justices, they're just men and women. They're just glorified lawyers and judges. They're still human beings. Now, right now, the Supreme Court is basically, if you want to go six, three, five, four in favor of the conservatives. But it depends on Justice Roberts, which way he's leaning that particular (laughs) issue. But, you know, so there's your true difference of interpretation of the Constitution, because they don't all see it the same. No, but, you know, you you bring up a good point there. There is issues with uh, interpretation. But something that's often overlooked Mm -hmm. is we actually have a safeguard for that. Uh, More than the first. It's funny because um, if you ask anybody their favorite chapter in a book, oftentimes it's toward the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first and second amendments get so much attention and they are they are very, very important. Absolutely. 
you know me, I'm a religious person. So right. I, I definitely value the First Amendment. But I say we have to understand the proper role of government before we can even have those protections. And so I think that the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are actually the most important before the rest of them uh, in, in the Bill of Rights, the first ten, because the Tenth Amendment talks about the prescribed powers and how we delegate the power falls to the people, but we delegate specific powers to the federal government. Everything else falls in favor to the states and to the people. But then the question would arise with that. Okay, so the rest of the power, anything that's not mentioned would fall in favor to the states or the people. But how would you stop a tyrannical state government, a governor that just wants to run everything? Well, that's where the Ninth Amendment comes in. It's called the interpretation clause and it talks about how nothing can be interpreted or passed in any way that denies or disparages the rights retained by the people including the unenumerated rights so the ones that aren't necessarily mentioned our rights go beyond just what's listed in the constitution and so the ninth amendment is actually a very, very overlooked, and I think on purpose, because it acts as a safeguard, saying that nothing can be interpreted in a way that denies or disparages our rights. So would you say, for example, a particular governor, like, let's go with the vaccine mandate. I mean, I'm not anti-vax. Let's get that straight. I'm not anti-vax. I am against a heavy hand um rulings over the people that is what i'm against i am against so would you say a governor has the right in in your interpretation of the ninth amendment would you say the governor has the right to do what they're doing in most of these blue states and in and red states when it comes to the people and over extending their power so here's here's the thing uh we often Whenever I hear a friend say, uh, you know, it's my constitutional right for this, it's my constitutional right for that, I have to correct him. I say, no, it's your it's your God given right, constitutionally protected. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if you don't believe in God, look, these are our natural rights. We are inherently uh, born uh, as human beings. Our existence, we have certain rights, and so. The idea and fundamental principle of the Constitution is that the Constitution is not our rights. It's the government permission book. That's what I like to call it. So I say you want to uh, pass a law, you want to give some kind of order or executive order, show me your power in the Constitution to do that. I don't see anything that they can uh, force me to inject myself with something. Now, where they're trying to... Uh, interpret is the commerce clause uh, and that's where they try to use OSHA and things like that to try to quote unquote regulate um, commerce but economy matters and commerce are are very different things there's a little bit of overlap but they the commerce clause in the constitution is so abused the, the government just thinks that they can just, as long as it deals with the economy or jobs or anything, that they just get the power to do whatever the heck they want. But if you look at the original 
uh, intent or meaning of, of commerce at the time that they were writing the Constitution, it, it gives it nowhere near is what the government tries to abuse today with that clause. Yeah, so the, commerce I, clause I, the Commerce Clause actually was uh, meant for the states. The federal government came in and started using it um, for example, like drug trafficking, because you were commercing over state, going from one state to another state, they call it interstate commerce, which they think they have control of it because you're going state to state. And furthermore, another point that you mentioned, well, I'm going to bring up to the forefront was that they're trying to use the 1905 Jacobson ruling, which states that in 1905, when the smallpox had broken out, the Supreme Court had said that the federal government has the right to force people to get vaccinated. But the term vaccinated actually has changed now. Back then, the word vaccinated <laughs> yeah, meant was to stop the spread point, yeah. of a pandemic. Nowadays, they, they changed it on the CDC. It's, it's, uh, their term is it's therapeutic in use. So yeah. it's not even the same meaning anymore. So this is where I think they're going to have a problem with it in the Supreme Court, those two words, because the time of vaccination was to stop the spread of a pandemic. Well, obviously, this is not stopping the spread of a pandemic. And the CDC says it's therapeutic. Well, you know, um, since you bring up the Supreme Court, uh, in recent years, the Supreme Court has been trying to legislate from the bench true um you know they they are only supposed to look to the constitution and and see if a case really is uh outside the the dictates of the constitution but uh if we look to a statement by the supreme court just shortly after uh the civil war it was like 1866 or something um this this statement stands today. They said the Constitution for the United States is a law for rulers and people equally in war and in peace at all times under all circumstances. No doctrine was ever intended that any of its provisions can be suspended during any of the exigencies of government. So what they're saying here is that even in a time of quote unquote emergency, the Constitution still stands. I think, and you're at 100% right, because some people have the, are in an impression that because we're on the pandemic, our rights are so, sort of softened or dismissed because of a pandemic. Well, the Constitution does not say at any given time, you should be a sheep for a pandemic. It, it doesn't say that. Now, they may imply that's what we need to do because pe there's people out there on this planet that does not realize that at no times do you have to be a sheep. If you become a sheep in this country, it's because you want to be a sheep. You know what one of the biggest, uh, I'd say the biggest cultural differences between um, Eastern communist culture versus western culture is individual versus collectivism the constitution is all about the individual okay it doesn't it doesn't mention gender 
It doesn't mm. mention race. It doesn't mention any sort of grouping. It says people. Repeatedly, it says people because it wanted to avoid any sort of categorization. It's all about the individual, no matter who you are, whether you're black, you're white, or you're male or you're female or you're gay, you're straight. It doesn't matter who you are. It's about the individual, your rights as an individual. And the Eastern communist type culture wants to do away with the individual identity of self and all about uh, groupings as a collective. Okay. And if you notice a lot of the, uh, a lot of the kind of the uh, narrative behind this pandemic early on, it was scare, scare, scare. Um, you know, the mask is going to protect you. You better protect yourself, wear a mask. They notice a lot of people saying, well, you know, I, I'm really not that scared of this virus. That's okay. I won't wear a mask. Then mm -hmm. the narrative changed to, oh, it's not about protecting you. It's about protecting others. So if you don't wear a mask, it makes you selfish. So we are trying to indoctrinate that to think of self is selfish. Now, of course, we should always find ways to serve others, but the fundamental idea of the Constitution is the individual liberty, because without protecting the individual liberties, you don't have liberty in general for the whole. So it starts with individual liberties. It is not selfish, but they want you to believe that it's selfish to uh, care about protecting individual liberties. Well, I don't believe, you know... I need to give up my constitutional protections for people who don't even know their own rights. You know, if you don't know your rights, you should have held on to mine. And uh, the thing is with me, with this pandemic and a lot of things in society, you know, everybody give up their rights because, oh, I said a lot of people give up their God given right because they feel like it's the right thing to do. They get in touch with their emotional side and they succumb to their emotions as if, you know, that protection of that we have is there for a particular reason. It's because the founders of this country, number one, knew that the minute you were born in this country, you're an American who isn't an individual. You come in this country, you, your, your religion hasn't been assigned to you yet. First and foremost, the minute you come out of your mother womb in this country, you are an American. That's the way it works in this country. And the Constitution, our Constitution is one of the best written document for freedom in the entire world. I mean, there's only like five other, what is it, five countries that don't have some form of, well, like Canada have what's called the Bill of Rights. Saudi Arabia doesn't have a Constitution. Australia doesn't have a Constitution. Um, I think it's Iran that doesn't have a constitution. There's only a few states and countries that don't have a constitution. Now, they'll have something like a Bill of Rights or some kind of document like that. But those constitution, I should say, constitutions are not written solely to protect the people. It's usually written to have some kind of form of control over the people in that native country. So when I hear about people want to come to the United States because we're a great country. Well, we're a great country based on our constitution. And yeah, people the, get away from that. Yeah, the, the difference is some of the other constitutions are, um, you know, they they extend a, a couple rights to the people. Like in, in Canada, they, uh, you know, some Canadian 
laws offer a little bit of protection and rights to some of the people. But the fundamental idea is that the government is extending you permission to do these couple things, this X, Y, Z, the government's going to give you permission. Uh, and the Constitution is not just the, the principles in it go beyond Americans. It is the correct doctrine of the proper relationship between uh, the inherent uh, divine nature of human beings versus government. It's principles that should be applicable to everyone in the world. Unfortunately, not everyone enjoys the same rights as Americans right? because the, the government that they live under. But the principles of it, though, are applicable worldwide because we're all human. These are all principles that apply to all of us. Uh, and I, I think that what's important is understanding the hierarchical uh, relationship. And so if you if you go out and you ask a lot of people who created the federal government, most people respond, the people. But there's actually a, a, a stepping um, a stepping hierarchy, okay? And the states created the federal government. And who created the states? The people. And so you start with a tier. Okay, and, and the people are at the highest level of authority in this tier because the people created the states and then the states created the federal government. The federal government is a creation that's two steps from the biggest authority in this country, and that's the people. And you know what? It's, it's good that you mentioned that because in this conversation, you've mentioned the people quite a few times. You know. And I don't understand, well, I don't think people understand how much power they really do have. But we think because we have politicians and they are the power. They are not. We are the power. The problem is we've given them the power to control us. You know, I've often heard people say, well, you work for me, you work for me, you work for me, you work for me. Well, that may be true in its organic fashion. But if you're not out there doing anything with the power as the people, somebody's going to take advantage of you. Yeah. Somebody is going to create a system that gives them all the power because you fell asleep at the steering wheel because you allowed somebody to go and represent you who had bad intent. Yeah. When they created their power, you know, uh, people, the average American thinks that they've done their duty when every four years they get to wear that sticker. I voted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a good American. I did my duty. I voted. <laughs> I, I got my little sticker. I'm good for the next four years. In my time. Oh. I'll see you guys in four years. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you're really diligent, if you're, really good american then it's every two years you mm. get to wear that sticker every two years mm. if you're actually involved no look um you know the the thing is we have to be paying attention uh one thing i like to point out 
that we don't often think about is that our representatives take an oath. They take, they swear an oath of office. They swear an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Okay. And in a court of law, if someone is under oath and they break that oath, that is perjury. Right. That's a that's a serious offense. Right. We need to be watching our representatives to ensure that they are in alignment with the Constitution. We don't just get to say, well, you know, I voted you in office. Good luck. You go out there to D.C. and, and just um, pass whatever. Oh, shoot. Oh, Congress passed this law. Oh, man. Well, if you don't like it, check the Constitution. Is it actually in alignment with the Constitution? If not, that's a null and void law. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, not, it's not valid. The Constitution is the supreme law. That's why, you know, some people kind of roll their eyes conservatives because I was one of these conservatives that went around my whole life saying, I support the Constitution. I support the Constitution. I'm going to pat myself on the back. But it wasn't until early last year that I actually realized, wait a sec. I've been saying I support a document. I have no clue what's in there besides the First and Second Amendment. You know, but we we've got to get to the point where we say, "Oh, you want to pass this law? Show me in the Constitution where you have the authority to do such." Mm-hmm. You know, I was speaking to some people a few days ago um, about conscience. And um, actually, this was last night. He's a politician, really great guy. He's a really great guy. But he was speaking, and this is what the comment was. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going to paraphrase the entire conversation because it took a little bit of time. He had said that if somebody sent me an email, oh, actually, let me, let me back. If people, if they send me 500 emails, you know, and it's about passing marijuana. He says, mm-hmm. I'm going to say no because of, you know, he has to deal with his conscience. His, uh, well, the word he used was uh, he had to vote his conscience. And I said, hmm. I said, sir, that's the problem I have. I said, I understand the conscious factor, and believe me, I understand that. But I also, and I said to him, there was another senator, state senator, that said the same thing. He had to vote his conscience, and that was Mitt Romney. Hmm. And nobody liked the fact that he voted his conscience because it didn't go in our favor. So. He says to me, "Uh uh-huh, I remember that. He says, I remember that. And I said, here's the thing. I says, when we send you guys to office, we already know you do have a conscience. And we appreciate that. We want a person with a conscience. We really do. But if you get 500 emails and, and it's people saying pass weed, do you listen to the people? Or do you listen to your one conscience? 
And uh, I say, if it doesn't violate the Constitution and the laws of the land, it's something that has to be thought about. So, Jake, I ask you, do we send these guys to office to vote their conscience or vote the people's conscience? That is an excellent point. And what I'm going to say is <laughs> we send them to vote to be our voice, but also to be in check with the supreme law of the land. Right. What if what if the majority of the people want socialism? Is 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 socialism acceptable if the people want it? It's not the law of the land, though. The, the, how we can we are a capitalistic society which is not necessarily protected, but we are, how do I put this in? I mean, if, well, let's face it, the law of the land, they're not gonna do that here in the United States because we're capitalists. Though we do have people like that, but if, if his conscience was that right, and they wanted to have him vote for socialism, it is what it is. We sent him there knowing, and he knows, now he can resign. He can right. resign. And that would stay any issue as far as that, that particular bill. But he does have that option. But if he says, you know what, the people that voted me in office Let's say he got a 500 socialist email that day. And the rest of the state is against it. The rest of the state had fallen asleep. And, and Jamie and I were talking about this today, my, one of the members of my board. We were talking about this today. And I said, this is the problem with the system. Whenever we vote a bill, we don't, I just don't want to track a bill. The bill system should be set up so when they're pushing a bill through the rules committee or whatever the committee it's in, and then it gets out of committee and then it goes to the floor for a vote in the Senate or in the House, we should be able to vote remotely on any bill. So what happens is that particular senator or representative, his conscience is taken out of the game. It's a live vote. And we can see it across our state what the votes are on any particular bill. There's got to be a system where the conscience is taken out of it. I mean, that's a rough shot, my idea. But it involves the people in the vote process. And it takes that, that uh, representative out of the conscience game. Yeah. So... Um... What I would say is that uh, the the opinions and the voice of your constituents uh, come first, and then second, uh, going through a filter, just double checking everything's within the bounds of the Constitution. So uh, I've had this interesting discussion with a lot of people, and, and again. 
I think a lot of people kind of roll their eyes. They're like, oh, there's Jake Oaks, the Constitution guy. He's just going to preach, read the Constitution. <laughs> and, you know, I go around, I canvas. You'd be surprised. I'm not even talking about your average American uh, who's watching Netflix. I'm talking the diehard <laughs> patriots getting out and going to all the rallies. I canvas because I, I was, I'm just curious because I was one of those people, even back in 2020, you know, going to all the rallies, protesting, saying, yeah, I'm a freedom fighter. Um, and, and and that's definitely the first step. It's good to get involved. That's, that's first, that's first step. It, that's not a bad thing, but uh, it, now I'm just so hungry for knowledge. I'm not going to claim I'm some kind of scholar, but I, I have made a point to actually start educating myself, but I, I go around because I'm curious how many people are like I was and, even among the Patriots, only 1% of them out of thousands I've been canvassing have read the constitution. Okay. And this is why it's so important because I say is, is socialism constitutional and people pause for a minute and go, huh? I know socialism is bad, but I've never considered, is it constitutional? Well, I'd say if the people want it, unfortunately it's whatever the people want. I'd say, Okay. Uh, what about the last line of the Fifth Amendment? Mm. Nor shall private property be taken, taken for public yeah. use without just compensation. What about the Tenth Amendment that limits the powers of the federal government to uh, centralized control? What about the Thirteenth Amendment, involuntary servitude? Doesn't socialism, uh, that's not just ball and chain slavery. That's talking about you can't force somebody to serve someone else. Okay, there's there's certain provisions that that really protect us, and it's so important that we know these things so that way we can prevent socialism. Because uh, you know, sometimes we talk about socialism coming, and really, what's coming is communism. We've already been living under some mm, forms of socialism. socialism. Exactly. Uh, if you have to pay, uh, I agree with sales tax. We, we've got to tax. On sales, you know, we have to have some kind of taxation, but property tax here in the United States, if we are paying government for property that we own free and clear, you don't really own that you're leasing it from the government if you're having to pay property tax. I'm sorry. I, I agree with you. Oh, I completely agree with you. I mean, this is when when you buy a car and then you they call it registration. But your registration amount is based on the value of the car, which is based on the state tax rate that they hit you every single time you register your car. That's why they know the value of your car, because they're going to hit you with that tax. I mean, yeah. you pay for your car every single year. Not only are you paying interest on your car if you finance it, not, and you're paying taxes on taxes that you've already paid every single year. What about if you own a home? You're, yeah. you're on that home and you have it paid off, you're still paying property tax. You're you're leasing. I'm sorry, but you don't own that home. You're leasing it from the government. Because you have to pay. And here's the thing, though. And this is what tells you how it tells you it's a lease. If you don't pay your property tax, guess what they do? Take your property at a great <laughs> big discount. They pull that lease from under yep. your foot if you don't pay it. Now, you may have paid the property off. I think it should be illegal to take a property. Okay, you can put a lien against it. Okay, fine. 
but to have the actual right to take and, as they say, um, confiscate that property to settle a lien should be illegal. Why don't you garnish their wages and leave their property alone? There's other ways for them to get their money than deal with this property tax crap. It's just, I mean, I was telling somebody, it's just a big racket in a lot of cases that the government are practicing some form of socialism, but we call it something else. Some people say, oh, it's part of capitalism. Oh, no, that's not part of capitalism. (laughs) No, 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 no. That is truly part of socialism embedded in our country for people who don't realize what's really going on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could, I could have a whole two-hour conversation with you another time about uh, Mm -hmm. income tax, okay? Um, (laughs) Again, I'm not... I'm not uh, anarchist. Oh, no tax. Sales tax really could fund things if we didn't have as many government agencies as we have, including paying for the IRS. And, you know, the country takes in $4 trillion trillion a year in tax revenue. And the thing about it, the money goes to some of the stupidest things it goes to social programs. Yeah. It helps pays for social programs. You got welfare. You got um, nowadays unemployment is a social program. Because now if you notice, nobody wants to work anymore. They're all on unemployment right now. Look, it's a necessary evil for a lot of people, especially these times. It is a truly necessary evil. Nobody's discounting unemployment. It's a necessary evil. Right now, though, the Biden administration has made it so being on unemployment is a good thing. It's more lucrative for people. For a lot of people, the welfare system, on average, you can make about $54,000 a year if you use the, the um, social programs that they have out there in the federal government and state and local government. And a lot of state governments are glorified or watered down federal government because, you know, the government, a lot of the money is coming from the federal government. I mean, like Utah, for example, we are pretty much, we balance our budget pretty much every year. I learned this last night. We're one of the better states in the country, if not the best state in the country at managing money. But you got states like California, you got uh, cities like Chicago, states like Illinois, Michigan, um, Baltimore, um, these these liberal New York City, these liberal states that are in trillions and trillions, billions and billions of dollars a debt. As a matter of fact, they're reaching to the pension funds from the cities and they're going bankrupt or going broke. Taxes are a way they cover up their dumb mess. And uh that's how they survive, taking money from yeah. the people. That's how they get wealthy as individuals as well. Um, you, you mentioned how many, uh, just how many government programs, how many agencies. It's it's ridiculous. And on that point, um, you know who who's supposed to make the laws in the federal government? It's Congress. Okay, who's actually making the laws? Well, over 150 federal government agencies. 
which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, when does a when does the bureaucracy become the Congress? Anytime you put restriction or punishment on anything that I do, that should be a law. That should not be the EPA saying because I peed in the bottom, poured in the street, I I violated some kind of you know environmental law. I'm going to go to jail for lewd lascivious conduct. This is hypothetic. And I'm going to go to jail for a ludicrous and L and L charge. You know, there are things out there where these guys create their own laws. Like, let's look at Utah, for example. Look at the, when the when the pandemic first came up around in 2020. You remember what they were doing? They were finding businesses that didn't have up the plastic shield or requiring people to wear masks when they came in the stores, or yeah. businesses that wouldn't shut down that didn't have a drive-through. Look, there were fines for all of that. They just implement this shit themselves. Excuse my French. They just <laughs> implement this crap on the fly to scare people, to restrict movement in this country. And the Constitution says we have a right, a free movement in this country without being impeded. And that's what they were doing, restricting our flow and movement as a uh, as citizens, you know, when they came out and said, you know what, if we catch you on the street and if your job wasn't essential and you're driving, you could get pulled over. This right. is when they when they first came out with that form that says uh, you were two week shutdown during yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah, they were saying only essential workers allowed out. And you had to have a form to say you were an essential worker. Come on, really? You're restricting the travel and the flow of an American citizen. <laughs> You know, uh, the term Nazi gets thrown a lot. <laughs> the term Nazi or Nazism gets thrown around a lot. I get that. Uh, it is. But uh, when it comes to the, the lockdowns over all this, where where do you think we got the term the Gestapo? <laughs> the Gestapo. Where did the term non-essential come from? It came from the Gestapo, the Nazis. Like, come on, people. I mean, but Jake, people fall in a they will comply so easily, which slowly deteriorates the brain cell of people because they don't think anymore. There are some people in this country who really believe they need the government to take care of them because really they can't take care of themselves. You know something, I uh I was asked to moderate um a city mayoral and city council candidate uh, roundtable. Mm-hmm. And um, in Spanish Fork City, where I live, uh, the city pool was built on a private property with a long-term lease of like 20 or 25 years or something. And this past year, it came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with the huge increase of value on properties, of course, the property owner is like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to rent to the government. I, there's some developers willing to pay big bucks. I'm sorry, I'm not going to renew the lease. So, uh-huh. boom, there goes, there goes our pool. Okay. So, a big question that came up from the public to these candidates was what we want a pool. How are you going to get us a pool? And there was this kind of big debate between the more conservative-leaning guys uh, that claim to be conservative, but they actually don't under truly understand the depth of the, how things operate, the proper role of government, 
and the people that are just like, eh, just go along with whatever the people want. So there's the debate of, well, if the people are okay raising taxes, they want the pool, just give them the pool, raise taxes, whatever the heck. If we need to tax 100% of the income, let's tax 100% of the income if they're okay with it. And that's where I came back to like, you know, is socialism okay if the people want it, you know? But then there was the other people who claim to be conservative. They're like, nope. It's, I don't care what my constituents say, it's not okay to raise taxes. And I turned to both parties, I said, why, why does the city government need to provide a pool? Can't we invite a private company to come in, build a nice pool? And I said, well, with a rec center, uh, you know, the city, when the city has a rec center, it provides some low-income families with free access. Or discounted rate or whatever. I said, okay, well, look at this. After you spend millions of dollars on a rec center, do you or I, not being in that low-income category, get in for free? No, we still have to buy an annual pass or your day pass or whatever on top of your taxes for that building. We would actually save money, just let a private company come in and invoice the city on a program for the low-income families. Why does the answer always have to be government? So many solutions can be handled by the private market. The government, the government is only known for creating a mess. They really don't create anything. I'm surprised they actually didn't invoke um, um, take, the city didn't decide to try to uh, take the property and Oh, what do you call it? Domest um, eminent, eminent domain. Eminent domain. I'm surprised they didn't put it on the eminent domain, and to, and just buy the property and just uh, you know what? we were just going to buy it and it's, it, it it suits the county, it suits the city, it serves a public purpose. So that's our excuse for taking it. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do that. With eminent domain, you have to prove that it's absolutely needed. But I mean, some cities, Spanish Fork is a little more conservative if it was in Salt Lake County. You probably would, you probably would have had a mayor try to make that it was absolutely needed. You know, they can build a pool, but they won't build more shelter homes because it makes the neighborhood looks bad. They make some of the neighborhoods that they're, the uh, city planning are saying that it just wouldn't look good in certain neighborhoods. You know, I personally believe that I govern, government needs a real overhaul from top down. Um, it's gotten so out of control that the Constitution in itself is no longer strong enough to the given tenants that are running this country right now. They will step over the Constitution. Their basic policy is, you know, if it's illegal, we'll do it now. If it's you know constitutional, what? we'll wait. You know what the real issue is, though? What's that? You remember the hierarchy I talked about, the biggest mm -hmm. authority? When the biggest core authority in the country has abandoned the Constitution, how, how, can, how can we keep government in check if the people don't follow, the, don't know or hold accountability to the Constitution. We express words of support for it as, as an American society, but we, we have no clue what's in it. And so we can't hold accountability to it. And, 
in my mind, at least, that's really the biggest issue. You're always going to have uh, power-hungry, corrupt politicians trying to get at the door. Every day. No matter, no matter how much we restore liberty in this country, that will always – they're always going to be kind of in our in our backyard trying to get in. It's up to the American people. That's what's so unique about the American government is the power – is greatest in the people. It's up to us whether we allowed those corrupt individuals in. And you know, and and you're exactly right. And that's been my problem with the uh, the voting process, the election process, the campaigning process. I often said that people spend too much time on the politician when they need to spend time on the voters. Getting yeah. out, educating those voters, let them know exactly. you are the powers to be. Nothing gets by you. These people do not get in office if you don't vote them in office. Because the worst time to say you picked a, you picked a bad guy is because it's, it's the guy that you didn't learn your education on. You didn't vet the, the particular person. You know, a lot of people when they go and vote, for example, their senator, they just vote down you know down party line on the ballots, right? Without right. even knowing who the person is. That's a lot of the problems we're having right now. As a matter of fact, I don't even think they should put them on the same ballot. I think they should make you pick and choose, not just because you go check, 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 because it's right there in front of you. Have another card, vote another card where you have to manually get that card, look at that person's name. Maybe that'll trigger you. Say, who the heck is this guy? Never heard of. Oh, his name is Mitt Romney. I looked him up. Uh, won't do that again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and so because I, I, I'll be one of the, I mean, I'm guilty of that. Just because they're part of our party. I vote for him. And like I said, I am guilty of that. I learned my lesson, though. I've learned my lesson. And I think it's done that way. So. If you vote Democrat, you are just vote down line. And that's what triggers most people to do that because they figure well, I'm already right here right now. He's on this card. I don't know who the, I don't know who he is. My name is Amy Winder Newton, for example, you know, let's just go with Amy and let's go with, you know, the people we don't really care much for because they say they're conservatives, but yet we know they're wearing wool. Yeah. So that's why I think they should do a little bit more, spend a little bit more time making it. So people are more conscious conscious about who they vote for and educate people that you are the power the thing when people screw you over in most cases you've done it to yourself because you did not learn who you are actually voting for you know something um i joked around about requiring an intelligence test to vote <laughs> uh, then i then i backed off a little i said okay let's let's require a test on the constitution <laughs> i got lots of flack for that you know, i bet voting but then then i had this idea okay instead of restricting people what if we simply ask a question does this candidate and and you know what this is not, it's nonpartisan. It's not, does, do they support uh, um, legalization of this or legalization? Of, it's, it's not specific issues. It's simply the constitution. If we can't support the constitution, 
as an American society, what are we doing? Okay, I propose let's put on every single ballot. Does this candidate follow line with supporting the Ninth Amendment of the United States Constitution? Be more specific. Meaning, uh, the are they going to uphold the interpretation clause? Oh, the interpretation clause then. That nothing could be interpreted or passed in any way that denies or disparages the rights retained by the people. Okay. I think that question, it doesn't stop you from voting for a Democrat. They could still vote Democrat. They could still vote Mitt Romney if they want. But simply having a question on there. And again, it's not a question about a specific issue. It's just a question, one question about a clause from the Constitution. If you ask that, imagine the power. It's not going to change everyone, like I said, but imagine the power it's going to have on some people. Just pause for a second and go, huh, I've never read that before. Never heard this because I never read the Constitution, never made a point. What does this mean? And would this guy actually uphold that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, You know, it's like I had alluded to before. The Constitution gives us, we the people, a lot of power. And it's one thing that, that's one of the things in this country that is really underused in this country. Because like I stated before, we think because we voted for a politician, we just automatically transfer our power to him and then let him do what, all the good work he's supposed to do for his constituents. You get that sticker, you're good for four years. Hey, you're exactly right. You know, I've done my job. Okay, I'll see you in two to four years. But the problem is, you know, then people start complaining. Yeah. And really what they are complaining about, and I say people, we the people, we're complaining because we put these people in office. <clears throat> Somebody once said to me, we need to spend more time trying to find good politician, good representation of the people. We've always been, I mean, for the most part, that's what we think we're doing. In actuality, we don't. We listen to them every once in a while on a Saturday or Sunday, giving a speech or town hall meeting, but we don't know the history. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they come from. We don't know what the pattern of thinking is. If they were working in some other municipal um, office, who were they then? Tax yeah. the treasurer, the county mayor, or city mayor, or whoever. That should be their track record, not their mouthpiece, because they all sound fantastic at the microphone. But if you look their life's work, that should determine or give you an inclination of a somewhat vetting process to see who they are. Right. So, you know, I just, I don't know what's going to change yet. I don't know what it takes to change, to get everybody to think like um, true conservatives or even if you're moderates, you know, like, for example, you're an independent, right, Jake? I am, yeah. Jake, you're an, you're an, you're an independent. And, uh, and we've been friends since I've been in this, in this gig. And uh, I know you're a straight shooter. I mean, you do great events. But before we go, speaking of events, tell us what's coming up. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
this Saturday, actually, January 15th. So we've got a luau. We're going to do Hawaiian barbecue. We've actually got Polynesian dancers. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but it's all to kind of fit in the, in the theme of turning the tide. I really feel like if we do things right, and it's a big if, it is up to us, the people. But if we do things right, I feel like 2022 is going to be the start the year that we kind of start to change the direction of things. And there's, in my mind, three core strategies to do that. And we're going to have a really interesting educational discussion on that. So it's, there's going to be fun activities for families, but most importantly, come empower yourself. It's in Lehigh. Get the information on our Facebook page, Liberty United, or our website, unitingliberty.com forward slash events. And what was that again? One more time. Yeah, the website unitingliberty.com forward slash events. Uh, if you Google Gen Marketing in Lehigh, it's going to be at that building at 1 p.m. on Saturday. And then once again, that is in Lehigh. Um, he does great events, people. Is there, an, is there a cost to enter? Um, yeah, we're, we're catering a meal. So uh, it's only $12.99. For okay. adults and three dollars for kids. Way it's, reasonable. I mean, you can't even eat out for that much right now with Build Back Better. Right. <laughs> well, well, Jake, I look, I welcome you here. I appreciate you being here. Um, you're like a really good friend of mine. And anything I can do for you and your organization, please don't hesitate to knock on my door. Um, I once again, I have actually learned some things today. Believe it or not. I can learn even at 56 years old, but I want to appreciate you being here and uh, I'll talk to you on the flip side. My name is John Harvey. I'm your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. You guys have a great rest of your week. Take care. I love you.